Hey guys, it's Sean Mills with Hack My Homestead, and welcome to the Hack My Homestead podcast. Today is Monday, February 5th, 2024, and today I'm going to do the first part of a series on how to acquire cheap raw land for off-grid homesteading. And it doesn't have to be off-grid homesteading, but what I found is that off-grid land seems or tends to be cheaper because it does not already have the sunk cost of utility access and because of that the amount of people interested in buying that land is much smaller and of course just typical supply and demand economics if the number of people buying for a property is lower the price is going to be lower and vice versa so I wrote an ebook on this subject. It's called The Backwoods Blueprint. And what I'm going to do over the next five episodes or so is just kind of walk through the high points of the book. Um, if you guys are interested in buying the book and having all the information, you can just go to hmhs.info. So it's HMHS stands for Hack My Homestead. Uh, HMHS info. That's a forwarding link to my link tree where I'm just kind of putting uh, things that I think might be interesting to the audience. And the very first link there is a link to buying the Backwoods Blueprint. It's $8.76. You might say, well, that's kind of a weird number. Why would you do that? Well, there's 8,760 hours in a year. And when we are talking about solar systems, uh, we really want to think about our usage across that. So all of my digital products are some variation of 87.60, whether that be $8.76 or 1876 or, you know, like I said, some variation of that. So off of that, uh, if you're interested, just go check out hmhs.info and I appreciate you if you do that. But getting into uh, the nuts and bolts here. So the first thing you always want to do when you are in the market for raw land is you want to make a list of what I call the haves, right? And I got this concept from Jack Spierko at the Survival Podcast. And the idea here is that you are putting your must-haves. So these are the deal breakers. These are the things that if the property doesn't have that, we just automatically cross it off the list. It does not go into the next stage of consideration. Uh, those are must-haves. And, and those could be things like water access. You might say to yourself, well, look, I am not going to develop, you know, I'm not planning on drilling a well on this property. I'm not going to put in rainwater catchment, whatever. Uh, if, if I'm going to buy a property, it has to be, it has to have a stream running through it. It has to have active year round springs, whatever the case may be like that might be something that you look at on your list and say, that is an absolute must have for the property that I want. You know, another one might be an accessible road. Uh, some people might look at landlocked properties and say, hey, I'm not going to deal with trying to get an easement uh, from one of my neighbors. If I don't have a deeded access, uh, I'm just writing that right off the list, right? So you want to go through and you want to look at the things that are the must-haves for you. And if you're part of a you know partnership, whether that be you know uh, being married or maybe you've got two or three people going in together to buy a piece of property, everyone needs to have input on this list. And must-haves are not negotiable. 
And when I, when I, what I mean by that is if someone says, Hey, this is a must have for me, I am 100% willing to walk away from a property that is otherwise perfect. If it does not have this thing or these three things, that's it. The, you know, if you've got three or four people together in a partnership that are trying to go out and buy, say a hundred acres of land, uh, and then subdivide it, subdivide it after the fact, then everyone's must haves need to be on that list. And you need to be thinking about things like, okay, can we subdivide the land in a way that everyone's must haves are accounted for? Right. Those are just, you know, those are the things that have to be, and, and you don't, three people don't gang up on the one person and say, well, you know, we don't have this must have on our list, but you've got it on yours and that's going to reduce the number of properties. Nope. You either respect the list of must haves, you don't buy the land or you kick that person out of the group, right? If, if they've got a must have that no one else has, at some point you might say, well, you know what? We're all willing to move forward without you on this because we don't think that that's a must have for us. So let's say, for example, someone says, I need a 10 acre flat fenced in pasture as a must have. And everyone else is like, well, we're going to run goats or we're going to run alpacas or we're going to run turkeys. We don't have to have that. You want to run cows. You're the only one in the group that wants to do that. We're kicking you out of the group because you're going to cost us all a lot of opportunity and a lot of money buying a property that has your thing on it when none of the rest of us want slash need that. Okay. So, uh, that's, you know, one of the dangers of going in a, in a partnership is that the must haves are not negotiable. Uh, the next list of things are the nice to haves, right? So these are the things where you want them to be part of your search. You want them to be things that you're looking at. If you've got a list of 20 properties and you've got, you know, they all meet your five must haves and you've got 10 nice to haves, nice to haves would be things like, Hey, I'd like a good westerly view because I love sitting out on my porch and watching the sunset or I want a good view of the mountains. I want to, I want to be in a hilly area and there's mountains in the distance and having a nice mountain view is an absolute, you know, it's not a must have, but it's an absolute nice to have. And so that allows you to rank the properties. Once you have your short list that meet all your nice to have, or your must haves, then the nice to haves allow you to kind of rank those and allows you to assign perhaps a higher value to properties that have more of your nice to haves. And here's a good one. It helps you negotiate if you find a property that does not have very many of your nice to haves, because you're probably going to have a similar nice to have list to a lot of other people that are in the market for buying that sort of property. And so if it doesn't have a certain thing, like let's say it doesn't have cell phone coverage and you're fine with that because you're okay with putting a cell link tower or not a cell link tower, but like a Starlink satellite in and kind of doing everything over Starlink. But you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, look, if it doesn't have cell access, that's just a deal breaker for me. Um, that's a negotiation point. Like you can go back to the buyer and say, Hey, look, we know that this property does not have cell service at all anywhere on the property and there's no way to get it. And we know that that is going to reduce the amount of buyers for this property. And so we know your asking price is $15,000. We're willing to offer 12, you know, that's, that needs to be part of the conversation. Doesn't, doesn't need to be in your offer letter, but it needs to be part of the conversation. Hey, we've identified these things that are problems 
And because of these problems, we're going to offer a little bit less than the asking price. You know, that's a strong tactic to get the price down because the person selling might never have considered those things. You might be dealing with someone who inherited the land from someone else in their family, has never been there, has no interest in paying property taxes, and they just want to unload it, but they don't they may not know things like it has no water access or it has no cell access or you know, there's no actual deeded access to the property that the access is managed by a property management association or property owners association. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, zoning might be another thing. Um, it might be zoned for a certain, you know, um, use and, or it might have uh, a deeded, uh, you know, conservation as part of the, uh, deed that again, they may not know about. And, and those things may be benefits to some people, but if they're not benefits to the seller, then they're an opportunity to negotiate the price down. So those are, you know, uh, the nice to haves. And then, you know, what, then the last one is the list I call the currently don't haves, right? So this is like the wish list for the future. There are things that you might want to do down the road with the property and you don't want to end up on the property in 10 years down the road, get ready to do something and be like, oh man, I wish we would have thought about this when we were really buying the property, right? So, you know, solar potential might be something that you look at. You might say, hey, you know, that might be a must have. Hey, we want to, we're going to be off grid. So we have to have a place that has good solar potential. It might be a nice to have. It might be a, hey, we've, you know, utility access is a must have. Uh, we would have liked to eventually put in solar if we can. So that's maybe a nice to have. Uh, or it could be a currently don't have like, hey, uh, you know, there's no real good solar access on the property the way it is today. But if I clear this acre of land, I could put solar panels on the backside of it. And, you know, now I'm good to go. But if you don't think about that going in, then you might make what's called a type one error, which is an error that once you make it pretty much every day after that, you rue the day that you made that error. You know, space for animals might be another one. Um, you know, you might say, hey, look, we don't have to have animal, you know, grazing land when we move in, but that's something we want to eventually develop. And we would like to have a property that we can eventually, you know, clear some, some land and, and uh, open it up for a sheep or something like that, right? And then, you know, another one that a lot of people don't think about is room to expand. Um, the room to expand is one that, again, could be on any of the three. Um, and it is one that a lot of times you don't think about because your budget constraints early on in the process. And I'll, I'll tell you like our personal situation. So we have 10 acres of land. Our land is kind of like in a pie shape, right? And we have essentially three neighbors. Like we, we've got one guy that owns 550 acres behind us. That was a former timber reserve for Willamette Paper Company. And, you know, he bought the land as an investment. He selectively cuts the land and leases it as a hunting lease. Um, and the hunters kind of, you know, they manage that property for deer. So for us, that's fantastic because the likelihood of someone coming in and developing, you know, uh, right up against our property on the backside is very, very low. And which is good because that's where our house actually sits is on the back of the property. And the fact that it's being managed by 
uh, deer hunters is great because, you know, I get overflow deer onto my property that I don't have to do anything for, right? So that's fantastic. Then I've got another neighbor. He owns 100% of the land on, you know, one side of the pie. He's got about 55 acres total. And, you know, he lives on it. He's got a little pond that he put in down at the bottom. Uh, he initially bought the land as hunting land, but eventually eventually decided to build a cabin out there and sell his place in the city and move out there full time. And, you know, I think that there might be a potential for me to buy some land off of him, you know, like an acre here or there, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure, but maybe. You know, there's some land kind of towards the back of his property that I know he never goes to and he doesn't hunt that is, you know, kind of backs up to the side of my property that it might be like, you know, hey, would you be interested in, you know, they, I, I actually have a use for this area and, and you're not using it. Would you be, would you consider selling some of that to me uh, or, or long-term leasing it to me? You know, so, so that's something. Um, and then on the other side, so the third side, uh, when I say pie shape, I guess I should be more specific, like a slice of pie. Okay. And then on the other side of the slice, I've got one neighbor that owns the majority of that side. Then I've got another neighbor that owns like, so one guy I would say has like 75% of that side. And then one guy has got like 20% of that side. And then there's a third uh, that has like the last 5% up by the very point of the, the slice of pie. And I know the guy that owns 75% is never going to sell me any of that property because we've had multiple conversations about it and he's just not interested. Um, and then the next guy up, I don't think he, he would ever subdivide. He's, he's very old and in bad health. So realistically, I would be negotiating with his heirs, I believe, eventually. And I don't think that they have any interest in selling any part of that property. I think if they sold it, they'd sell the whole thing. Um, and then the last little 5%, I've actually never met that neighbor. I don't even think that they live there full time, but you know, so that would be a potential that I might be able to expand my property out towards the, the front of the pie shape. Uh, and then there's a couple other people that back up to the easement that, that, that front of the property is on that, that perhaps I could buy, uh, some land from, but the reality is, is I don't have a lot of room to expand. I don't have a lot of options for expansion on that property. And that did not even come into my evaluation initially. Like early on, I didn't even think about that as, as a, a potential. Like I, we were struggling to scrape up the money, you know, to be able to afford the place that we bought. Like, why would we be thinking about buying acreage in the future? Well, now that the property is paid for, you know, and I've got different ideas about, you know, the things that I could do on a, a homestead. Now I'm absolutely thinking about that. Like, oh man, I really, now would it have turned us off of that property? Maybe not. Maybe I'm not sure. Like, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't speculate as to how that could have potentially impacted our buying decision, you know, 12 years ago when we bought the property. But I do wish I had thought about it, you know, um, because again, it's not like it may have been a, a deal breaker, but it might've been something where I said, you know, maybe we keep looking or maybe I would have said, Hey, there's enough cheap land in, in the close area, close by area where I'm not overly concerned about it. And, you know, I can buy some land a mile down the road and, and be okay. You know? So anyways, uh, just some of those, currently not don't have things that you might want to think about 
and you really want to, so you get this list, think about it, like brainstorm, put all the different things that you want to be considering and then categorize them and really think hard about that must have list because you, the time to do this is before you start looking. You don't want to get emotionally invested in a property and then start putting your list together, right? Because that's going to, it really is going to alter the way that you think about the property. You really need to do this before you start looking. And I suggest doing it, like I said, you know, in conjunction with your family, in conjunction with your significant other or your group of partners if you're doing this together. And um, it's, it's definitely a good idea to really be selective about the must-have list. Like you've got to know, hey, if I've got a, if, if I've got a list of 50 things and it checks off 49 of the 50, and one of the the one thing that it doesn't is on the must have list i'm willing to walk away from the property like that you need to be having that conversation with yourself early on because you you need to know why the must haves are must haves and you really need to think hard about whether or not they're supposed to be must haves or not so i'll 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 get off of that but I just wanted to really kind of hammer that point home that it's super important that you do that early on in the process and that you are really selective about the things that are going on the must-have list. So then once you have um, kind of evaluated all those things, I would suggest that you go visit a property. Like go visit a dream property, one that's like way out of your budget and that you know that you're never going to buy, right? And think about those different halves. You know, think about, okay, is this definitely something that should be on this list or that other list or whatever the case may be? You know, um, I think it's easier to do that on a property that you're not going to be able to afford and um, a a property that, you know, you're not going to get emotionally attached to. It's going to be hard to find a perfect piece of, of land uh, unless you just have an unlimited budget and no one has an unlimited budget. You know, it's an adventure kind of going through this process. And I think that, um, you know, if you think about it as an adventure and you think about the process as kind of like a roadmap, um, the haves and the, and the have-nots, so to speak, are the things that are like X marks the spot, right? Walk 10 paces and then turn right and walk a hundred paces and so on. And so, you know, going through that process is super important. And I, I think I'm getting to the place where I'm kind of starting to ramble. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up there for today. Um, I, I would encourage or at, not encourage, I would ask you guys, uh, go check out my TikTok channel. I'm really focusing video content on TikTok. Um, it's easy for me to do. I found that doing that is easier for me than reels or YouTube. And so I'm kind of focusing my efforts on the TikTok side. So if you haven't yet, go check out the TikTok channel. It's, it's at, you know, hack my homestead. All my stuff's hack my homestead. Uh, give me a, a like, uh, follow all those different things, you know, watch some videos, share them. If you think that they are, or I guess share repost, I'm not even sure what it is, but you know, 
Um, send them to people that you think might be interested and might get some value out of them. Uh, I'd re- really appreciate that. And uh, if you have questions or comments or concerns, you can send them to me at Sean, S-H-A-W-N, at hackmyhomestead.com. Uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in today, and we will talk to you next time.